Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We've talked about Twins baseball, the NBA playoffs, and now for Vikings football. And we can welcome in now Matthew Collar. He is the Vikings beat reporter for Purple Insider. Matthew, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. What's going on? You know, I'm excited to see what's going to happen next week at minicamp. And if you could just kind of set the stage for what you're looking for, what is the biggest story? Because I think a lot of fans maybe at this point in the season are just thinking about training camp. But really, what is significant about minicamp and having it uh, coming up next week? Yeah, so the way that the offseason kind of plays out is after the draft, they get the rookies in a little bit early for a rookie minicamp, and then... The rest of the roster shows up for organized team activities, which are voluntary. So if you don't need to be there or don't want to be there or you've got something else going on, you're not going to get fined by the team. Though usually it's sort of recognized that everyone should show up. So the Vikings have had very good attendance, save for Daniil Hunter, who's dealing with a contract situation. So they've had almost everybody uh, showing up there. But once you get to minicamp, that's where it's mandatory. So the biggest storyline will be, is Daniil Hunter going to come to mandatory minicamp? And then will the Vikings give him an excused absence or will they fine him? Uh, the, the fines are very expensive for not coming to mandatory minicamp. Maybe uh, not as expensive to Daniil Hunter, who's made $40 million in cash over the last few years, but it would be significant uh, in terms of the, the his next contract that he wants, um, he feels that he's vastly underpaid. He's correct about that. Um, but the Vikings also feel like he signed a contract, and so he should be there, right? And uh, these negotiations, I imagine, um, are going to play themselves out over the summer. But if he shows up for mandatory minicamp, even if he doesn't do anything, that would be a sign of kind of good faith toward, yes, we're working towards something. If he's not there, I think it says they're probably pretty far apart and have a lot of work to do in order to get Daniel Hunter back by training camp. And then if it goes into training camp, it gets pretty ugly. So that's storyline number one with a bullet with a, way ahead of everything else. And then after that, it's pretty much setting the stage for position battles for training camp. By the end of minicamp, we'll be able to tell where everyone is starting. Um, so if Kellen Mond is still the fourth-string quarterback, as he has been in OTAs, that means he's going to have to climb up during training camp, and he's not starting his QB2. Or the same with the offensive line, where the two rookies have not been starting in OTAs, but if by the end of mandatory minicamp they're still not pl playing at all with the first team, that means that they're going to have to climb up during training camp as well. So there's kind of, um, you know, it's one of those things that, like you said, not a ton of people are paying 
fewer detentions to mandatory minicamp, but as reporters, it really helps us understand sort of where everyone stands as we get into then the all-important training camp. When it comes to Kellen Mond, is it going to be concerning at all if he isn't moving up in terms of what team he's working with? You talked about him getting those fourth team reps and uh, him being uh, you know, a fairly high draft pick for the Vikings. Is that going to be a concern at all, even when they do have an established starting quarterback? Well, and so there's a part of me for hype purposes that would love to say, wow, it's a big deal, um, but it, no, it's not really. And until the first preseason game, when we get to the first preseason game, which is in early August, if he is still taking third or fourth string quarterback reps in that game, then it's going to be time to look around and go, okay, what's going on here? Because the Vikings did not bring back Sean Mannion, who was their veteran backup quarterback. They didn't sign a Case Keenum-type journeyman who has starting uh, experience in the past. The other two quarterbacks, one guy is undrafted and has never played in the game. The other guy is a seventh-round draft pick who has never played in a game. So if Kellen Mond, by the time they get to August, that's about a couple of weeks into training camp, and they've got pads on at that point in camp. If he's not QB2, then we need to start asking, okay, where, where does he stand, and what is it that's holding him back from being QB2 because, um, you know, he's far more talented than the other two guys, than Jake Browning and Nate Stanley, and it's not particularly close. So that would mean that he wasn't getting something that they really wanted him to get. Um, so we'll, we'll see if he already starts to get those second-team reps here in mandatory minicamp. That wouldn't surprise me, but it's also not panic time uh, or time to call him a bust or anything like that. I mean, we know that he's going to be a guy that does need a lot of development if he ever is going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. On a scale of going back to uh, Daniil Hunter, I wanted to ask if, you know, looking at a scale of one to Aaron Rodgers with the Packers, how much would Hunter's absence escalate that contentiousness with this team. You talked a little bit about those issues, the fact that he is well underpaid, but the Vikings wanting him to play out this contract and and your feeling about whether he will or should be there. Yeah. So I think if you use sort of a, um, like a meter uh, right now, we're kind of in the yellow a little bit uh, and it goes up to the orange. If he doesn't show up for mandatory minicamp and if he's not there for training camp, then we're in the red. Then we are in the territory of Khalil Mack or Jamal Adams, these you know guys, uh, Jalen uh, Ramsey, um, guys who, you know, uh, and, and ended up being traded eventually. And, and that becomes a very real possibility if we end up getting to training camp and he's still not showing up and saying, sorry, guys, unless you rework my contract, uh, I'm, I'm not going to come and I'm not going to play. And, you know, where it's, really tricky as you can see from both sides this is how we get to an impasse which is kind of where it feels like they are right now he's coming off of a neck injury neck injuries ruin careers like there have been many players who have had neck injuries and are never the same no matter what age it was that they had it including mike hughes who was a first round draft pick of the vikings that they traded to kansas city so uh you know there's reason for them the Vikings to want to see Daniel Hunter, to examine him, to see him in preseason games, see him play before they give him a lot more money. But from Daniel Hunter's perspective, he only has $3 million guaranteed on his present contract. So if you had just come off a neck, not. So you can see it from both sides. 
I, I think, though, if we assume that Daniil Hunter will return to being himself, he is worth way more money than he's set to be paid. He's set to be paid something like, you know, $38 million over the next couple of years, next three years. Joey Bosa of the Chargers is set to make over $70 million. Oh, wow. And there's not that there's not that big of a gap between Daniel Hunter and Joey Bosa, uh, which is, you know, Daniel Hunter's case. So ultimately, I think that this does get worked out and they find middle ground and they get in more guaranteed money without locking themselves in long term. So they eventually have an out. That's what usually happens with the Vikings. Uh, last year at this time, we were all talking about Delvin Cook and his agent leaking things to Adam Schefter and, and stuff like that. And at the final hour, it got done. Um, but for right now. If he's not at mandatory minicamp, it moves up the meter into that sort of, okay, now this is serious type of level. Last week for Purple Insider subscribers, and you can join at purpleinsider.com, you wrote about Anthony Barr. And from what I take from you is that you don't necessarily think that a playing for a contract is going to really elevate a player all that much, that they are that much more vote motivated, that you're going to get that much more production out of them uh, like Anthony Barr is facing. But can you talk about how you examined him through what the analytics say about him versus his impact for the Minnesota Vikings and really what this season means for him and in his career as we go into minicamp? Yeah, well, the way that the Vikings reworked his contract, uh, this is it. This is the last year of his deal. And I I suppose there is a world where they could re-sign him. But the way that he was talking the other day, it very much feels like last hurrah kind of comments from Anthony Barr. Now, we did go through that once before, and he almost signed with the Jets and then eventually ended up coming back to the Vikings. So never say never, but that's kind of how it feels, is that this is it for Anthony Barr. And I just think that his... I almost don't want to say legacy because that's sort of reserved for the greats to talk about their legacy. But when you're a first-round draft pick who's here for a very long time, uh, I think a lot of it has been spent sort of debating whether he's been worth it, whether he was worth that high draft pick. He was picked over Aaron Donald, by the way, uh, in the draft, whether he was worth the contract that he signed or whether he was consistent enough after really exploding on the scene in 2015, whether he was consistent enough uh, to be considered a pro bowler and to get the accolades that he got kind of from the outside world. But there's also that Mike Zimmer has explained in detail many times that some of the numbers, the box score stats, the pro football focus grades don't exactly tell the story with him that he believes Anthony Barr is worth more. So I think that Anthony Barr has a chance this year to have a great season and to kind of leave a lasting impression to say, no, I, I, wa- I was worth it. And I did matter a lot to this defense. And if he's central to the defense's turnaround, I think that's the last impression that he'll leave here. And I, I think that's an interesting storyline to track this season. Matthew, I made a connection earlier in the show comparing the Vikings, particularly the 2020 season, to the Twins right now. This idea of trying to stay this course, only tinkering with the roster slightly instead of a a more kind of reload or overhaul or even bigger than that, selling off pieces that the Vikings thought they could reach that 2017 point again. They could get back there. They kept chasing it and made those small moves, but it ended up not 
not working out. They go seven and nine, even though they trade for Yannick Ngakwe. It just didn't work out. And talking about how the Twins are in a similar spot where they at best at this point could be a 500 team and, and maybe wanting to see more young players on the field. What do you think about that comparison to the Twins predicament right now and how trying to stay this course, this middling type of uh, approach to season by season maybe is a really tough spot to be in that the Vikings are, are still currently in at the moment. Yeah, and there's probably a comparison there even between Kirk Cousins and Josh Donaldson where you know they signed Kirk Cousins to a contract extension thinking that they were right there on the cusp of having Kirk Cousins take them farther into the playoffs, just like the Twins signed Josh Donaldson, thinking that he was sort of the final piece. So they needed to make this risky and very expensive move. And and Josh Donaldson, when he's played, has been very good. And Kirk Cousins has good numbers. But you weren't able to put that player with a roster that was good enough to really compete. And that's what happened last year with the Vikings. And Mm. they had sort of one... They had one foot in and one foot out, which feels kind of a lot like it would be if the Twins decided to keep Nelson Cruz, for example, as opposed to trading him away to a contender. It would be, well, you've got one foot in trying to turn this thing around, but one foot out with your roster not really being good enough to compete. So what is it going to get you? It's going to get you a 7-9 and nine type of season, which I, I heard you reference earlier, and I think that's a an apt comparison of, like nobody wants to be eight and eight or seven and nine, but that's exactly what you get when you don't pick a direction. And that doesn't have to be tanking. I think that there's sort of a perception that you're either tanking or you're in the middle or you're going for it, but you can really not necessarily be tanking, but trying to put your younger players in a position to get experience and to evaluate them when the season is lost. And there's probably lots of reasons that the Twins management would tell you that the season is lost. Their extra innings, num- you know, bad numbers and some bad luck and some injuries and so forth. Just like the Vikings would tell you last year, oh, we didn't have fans and Daniel Hunter got hurt. Right. But neither team was a contender for a championship either way. And so I think that at that point you can sort of question you know, should you have signed Andleton Simmons, for example, or should, like you said, should you have traded for Yannick Ngakwe? I think we really see very often with these two franchises uh, how it doesn't really help you to just be sort of good enough to maybe compete for a playoff spot that you really have to pick a direction and go. Well, I think that's really well said, because I think sometimes the T word that you mentioned can make people a little bit sensitive and maybe defensive as fans. But I think you really said that uh, like an apt comparison there between those two teams and, and really what I was going for. Matthew Collar, Purple Insider, Vikings beat writer. You can subscribe at purpleinsider.com. Matthew, thanks for joining us. Yep. Thanks for having me. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.